Good morning. Another blessed day, another wonderful day. I praise God for this morning. And I praise God for all of you that's on the line. It's a good day. So it's time for us to get started with our Sunday school. And uh, we are going to, rather than calling on someone, I'll ask if there's anyone on the line that's led to lead us in prayer this morning. I will lead you. Praise God for you. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we truly thank you again, Lord, how you have continuously bless us to being alive to being above ground lord we thank you for all your attributes we thank you lord for the love you have put in our hearts lord we ask in jesus name lord that you continue to bless new life bless our pastor first lady and all the, the congregation lord and father we are truly blessed because we understand and we know that you're watching over us Lord, we ask you right now to bless those that are sick, those that are going through. Though whatever the situation is, Lord, we know you can make it better. Those that need healing, that we know that you can heal. Those financial difficulty, we know that you can change things. Father, we ask thou to allow your spirit to continue to dwell in us and among us. And let us be able to carry forth the love that you have put in our hearts. Lord, we ask right now, let the Jesus that we know be in us and let others see him in us. And Father, we thank you. Lord, we ask you right now, Lord, to bless this uh, service. Lord, bless the teacher this morning. Bless everyone participation, even those that may not be online or whatever situation it is lord we ask you to bless them and bless those that join us for the first time lord we ask for the anointing of the holy spirit lord to come forth we ask for your word lord let it penetrate let it be have substance and father we thank you we thank you for our sister radcliffe and her hard work and and starting this off so lord we ask right now in jesus name to bless everyone participation and we thank you amen amen and we thank you Elder Lester, for getting us started with such an awesome and spirit-filled prayer we're going to get right into our lesson because this is our second lesson in our summer quarter and the subject the overall theme of the subject of this quarter is kings and leaders and unit one, where our lesson comes from today, is subtitled, Israel's Early Leaders. Today's lesson, taken from um, the book of Judges, chapter 6, verses 11 through 24. The subject of today's lesson is the call of Gideon. And related scriptures to this lesson we can find in the book of Judges, chapter 6, verses 1 through 40, Psalms 77, verses 1 through 20, Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and Genesis, chapter 18, verses 3 through 8. 
The time of this lesson is 1191 BC, and the place is Oprah. Golden text reads, Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. Judges chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. The introduction to today's lesson is going to be read to us by our own Sister Tammy McElwee. Sister Tammy? As God's people, we are among those who are the called according to his purpose. We are also called to be saints with all that in, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Beyond our call to salvation, some are called to specific areas of ministry and service. So it was under the old covenant. Israel was called to a unique role in the world, but some Israelites were called to serve the Lord in special ways. However, not all those who were called were anxious to do what God asked. When Moses was called at the burning bush, he offered numerous excuses for not responding to God's summons. When Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, he protested that he was too young. As for Jonah, he fled from the Lord. In contrast, others willingly responded to God's call. Isaiah responded by declaring, here am I, send me. In the New Testament, the four fishermen answer Christ's call, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Our lesson focus, Gideon, was one of those who balked at first at God's call, something with which some of us might identify. Amen. Thank you, Sister Tammy. I'm pretty sure that some of us, if not most of us, probably can identify with certain things in this lesson, and which we're going to get into in just a moment. Our lesson today has four outlines. The first one from verses 11 through 15, Gideon's doubt. The second one from verses 16 through 18, Gideon's reassurance. And the third from verses 19 through 21, Gideon's gift to the angel. And lastly, verses 22 to 24, Gideon worships the Lord. So that's going to conclude our opening portion of our lesson today. And we're going to give way for our pastor who will be bringing this lesson today to bring it to us as God has given it to him. So at this time, um, Pastor C. Wright. Hey, Amen. Right. Good morning, everyone. Or good early afternoon. Uh, I'm going to start this uh, lesson off kind of different. And uh, I'm just going to ask for some participation. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read three questions. Uh, these questions really had me thinking. And uh, and I would like uh, for those who feel led and feel comfortable, they can um, give their answer to these questions because, uh, like I said, these questions, uh, I, I ran upon them as I uh, studied the lesson 
And uh, they really had me reflect and kind of meditate on it. So here's the first question. The first question is, I often feel weak and inadequate in situations where I, and then you finish it. I often feel weak and inadequate in, in situations where I am unprepared. I'm unprepared. Wow. Okay. Anyone else? When I try to control them. Hmm. Right. When I don't allow the Lord to lead me. All right. All right. All right. When I'm, when I'm uncertain. When I'm uncertain, okay. And when I feel that, um, why was I selected? So and so could do this a lot better than I can. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, here's the second one. Second question. When I feel this way, I respond by... When I feel this way, I respond by... Praying. Withdrawing. Mm. Somebody said praying. Somebody said withdrawing. Praying. Lean into it. One more time. Lean into giving it. it a lot, giving it a lot of thought and prayer before agreeing to whatever it is that I'm reluctant to do. Hmm. Meditating, praying. 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 Right. Asking God to move me out of the way. Hmm. Okay. Lean into it. Lean into it. All right. And, here, and here's the third one. Knowing that God can strengthen me during times of weakness, I have. One more time. Knowing that God can strengthen me during times of weakness, I have. Learn to lean on him. Faith. Say it again. Faith. Yep. Yeah, faith. Stepped out on faith. 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 Learn to lean on him. Learning to lean on him. To remove myself. Remove himself. Anyone else? Leadership. Taking on challenges that I know that I could only do with God's help. Mm. Become more confident. And I think that goes back to what and I think that goes back to what I heard about stepping out on faith. Definitely stepping out on faith and many, many things when I've been challenged. All right, all right. I I don't want to cut anybody else's opportunity off. Anyone else want to chime in on either three? Amen. All right, those those uh, those uh, questions. Uh, you know, I had to pause for a moment and, like I said, reflect on them and and understood uh, you know myself a bit better in this walk of faith. Uh, and it also obviously applies to our lesson today, the call of Gideon. Uh, we see that Gideon, uh, first of all, if you 
uh, read the expositor, you would see that uh, that he wasn't the most popular uh, judge. Uh, he wasn't the most uh, well uh, uh, thought of judge, but yet he was the judge that made it in the lineup of the uh, Hall of Faith, right? In, uh, in Hebrews. So he was a man of faith, even though we're going to see that uh, that faith had to be built up along the way. Um, Gideon was the fifth judge. Um, we talked about Ehud last week, and uh, Ehud, even though you may not be familiar with him, everyone is familiar with this uh, story of Gideon. Um, because, it, you know, of course, everyone remembers the fleece, which, was, which will come up next week, that sign that he asked for. And we're going to talk a little bit about signs uh, this week as well, because Gideon, he asked for a sign. In addition to that, uh, we know leading up to verse 11, we know that the previous verses, 1 through 10, had stated that Israel went into this uh, cycle again. And one of the writers said that they had a cycle of sin, suffering, uh, then supplication, and then salvation. That's what one writer said in the, uh, I think it was the, yeah, intermediate Bible teacher. He said that it was a pattern of sin, suffering, supplication, and then salvation. So they went through that again, even though they had enjoyed about 40 years of peace after Deborah and, and Barak, um, they went back into a pattern again where they were chasing after idol gods and God had to spank them once again. And then when he spanked them with the Midianites, they got to calling on God again. And God being merciful and gracious, he, he had a heart to rescue his folks again. And as I stated, Gideon is that fifth judge now where uh, God is going to use him mightily to get the people out of a, of a crazy situation again. Anyone else on the introduction part? Well, the lesson also points out that prior to God calling, uh, raising Gideon up from the cry of the people, he had sent an unknown prophet to them, uh, yeah. reminding them of all of the things that he had done for them, but yet they did not heed. That's right, that's right, yeah. That's true, that's true. All right, so getting into the first, um, first verse here, that 11th verse of the sixth chapter, it says, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which uh, was in Oprah that pertained unto Joash the, the Israelite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And I'll read the 12th verse as well. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou man of valor. Comments on those two verses. Well, we know why Gideon was uh, threshing wheat in the wine press, because the previous verses had told us that um, 
the the Midianites and even the Amalekites, I think they were when the crops would come, they would take everything that they had, uh, as leaving them with with nothing. So rather than do this in the open, he was trying to conceal the fact that he had this wheat from the Midianites. This is why he was in the wine press uh, instead of out in the open, or even on the threshing floor. Mm-hmm. 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 Any others? Well, the first, the first uh, glaring term that we have to deal with is, and there came an angel of the Lord. Right. There was a lot of discussion about that, right? It was, uh, who is this angel of the Lord? The yeah. angel of the Lord. Who is the angel of the Lord? Mm-hmm. And, and and many it depends on where you're reading. Many it, many says the Messiah, the pre-incarnate Christ, God Himself. So all of this has been ascribed to the angel of the Lord, which we will see further on in the lesson that it really was God. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. If you look in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, you will see uh, that. Uh, this title, an angel of the Lord, was used uh, uh, many times. In fact, uh, you, this lesson in the expositor they pointed about they pointed out the situation in which Abraham or Abram found himself in, where the angel of the Lord appeared to him, but he also uh, appeared to another judge, right? Uh, Moab, I forgot his name. Starts with an M. He, uh, he appeared to him. He appeared um, like several times in the Old Testament, and it was always a theophany, they say, which was an appearance of the incarnate Christ prior to uh, his birth. So he came um, to Gideon, right? And he sat under an oak, which was an Oprah that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite. So what uh, was this oak? And um, obviously Joash was uh, Gideon's father. So how did they tie these things up together in the expositor? They, they talked about the oak and they also talked about uh, Gideon's father. Pastor, what's the oak? Oak tree, oak tree. It was an oak tree. Oh, all right. So what did, they, what did they refer to here? So I don't know about the oak part, but I know for Gideon's father, he was actually like, I guess, in charge of the Baal worship, um, the building, I guess, that they had Baal worship in. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So here was uh, Gideon, and, and Gideon was in a situation where more than likely most uh, writers had stated that his father may have been a prominent person in Baal worship. The folks were in trouble with God in the first place for turning to idols, and here, here he is uh, in a situation where his father more than likely was one of the officials in Baal worship. And um, he may not have been a priest of Baal, but he may have been 
one that took care of the shrine of Baal because that's where that oak comes in at where they you need oaks to and trees and wood to build um idols and shrines so it was more than less they were tying it together to say that he may have been the procurer of the uh of the place of worship for Baal and yet he was also a descendant of who Manassas he was from the half tribe of Manassas that's right that's right Joseph's son right and so a descendant of uh, Joseph's son Manasseh, right? And then in his son Gideon, Gideon, what does Gideon's name mean? Anybody pick that up along the way? Which name? He had two names. <laughs> That's right. He had two names. That's okay. good. Jerubel and Gideon. Gideon meant what? Um, did Gideon mean? It meant Hewer. Hewer. Hewer, Hewer, yes. Met Hewer, and then uh, Jerubel meant what? Contender. To cut down. <laughs> yep, exactly. Cut down, contender with Baal. Yeah, There's a few of a few uh, uh, interpretations of that uh, name. And Gideon was uh, he was threshing wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So what was this, what was he doing? What was he up to? The situation was that, just as uh, it was pointed out uh, by Sister Radcliffe and myself, that they had oppressors. The Midianites were the oppressors. Also the, the Amalekites, they were coming down and they were more or less marauders. And they came and they were tearing up the, tearing up the land, meaning that they were plundering it. They waited until like the crops grew and they grew just right and then they came swooping down and they took all of the goods they took all the crops they took all the livestock and left them barely with anything and so Gideon's plan was to what to hide it he was doing it in secret so he was hiding from them that's right he was hiding right he was hiding. He was threshing wheat by the wine press. Usually, when you thresh wheat, where do you? Where are you? In the open field. In the open field. That's right. And the, and the strategy or the uh, technique was to what? For the wind to blow. For the wind to blow the shafts out of from the wheat. Exactly. Exactly. So you would get your uh, oxen or or some. Uh, uh, animal of burden and they would stone it. right and trample it and then it would separate the good from the from the bad so to speak the stuff that you didn't need the chaff and the chaff was so light that the wind would just blow it away and then you were left with the with the wheat to eat right but Gideon was at a wine press by a wine press and if he was using a wine press, this points to what? That he did not have, he didn't have much, right? If you could do it in a wine press, if you understood what a wine press looked like, it wasn't as big as a field. It wasn't, uh, you, wasn't you weren't all spread it out. He had enough to, uh, to uh, put in that wine press and try to, or by the wine press and, and try to work with it there. 
and he was hiding from the Midianites. The Midianites, who were they described as? Midianites were who? Did anybody catch that? Distant relatives. That's right. Talk about family problems, right? When your cousin's coming down robbing you, right? And that's exactly what happened. So their, their mother was Abraham's uh, second wife, uh, kids, right? One of, one of his uh, second wife's kids, Keturah's kids, right? And then it goes down in verse uh, 12 and says, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. What was that all about? Well, Pastor, you know, is, um, uh, uh, I remember that uh, all depends uh, on the, in regards to the angel of the Lord, if that's capitalized. Yeah. And yeah. if it's capitalized, it, it points to deity. Mm -hmm. And angel of the Lord could just be an angel with a, me a messenger. Mm -hmm. but, the, but the angel of the Lord, there came the angel of the Lord, though it's not capitalized here. Uh, and it's, it's not capitalized in the first verse either. But uh, there was a, uh, a particular distinction, though that uh, if it's capitalized, it's, it's referring to the angel of the Lord. But here, we know that uh, it more than likely is uh, theophany or is uh, 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 the pre-incarnate Christ. Right, right. And, and Elder, you bring out a good point because some of the, uh, some of the writers had stated that uh, there may have been an actual angel and then the Lord came in the conversation later on. So some people even interpret it that way, but you're right. It's some, some folks uh, make that distinction and when they see um, how it's capitalized and what word is used for Lord, um, they make that distinction even more clear that, like I said, some take the route of maybe this was a conversation in which the Lord joined in later and the angel, an angel actually started it off with Gideon. But, most take the position that he was communicating with God right, uh, right off. In, in the New Testament, it doesn't refer to Jesus. Right. That's right. That's right. Pastor, right. It also talks about, um, or it states that the Lord is with thee, um, talking, saying that the Lord is promising to be with Gideon, not speaking of Israel, but speaking that he's promising to be with Gideon, Gideon and seeing Gideon in a way that he doesn't see himself just yet as a mighty man of valor. That's right. That's right. That's, that's good. Because, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's something comical about this, right? When you read the 11th and the 12th <laughs> together, it's kind of comical because in the 11th verse, what was he doing? Hiding. He was hiding. But in the 12th verse, the Lord called him what? Mighty man of valor. Man of valor. <laughs> so this mighty man of valor was, was hiding, right? And, and what Sister Clara pointed out is that, you know, God God sees you differently, right? God sees you more, he sees you differently than you see yourself. Because he can see your potential in his hands. If Amen. you're in 
is. And if he's guiding you, he can, he can see uh, the greater potential that you have if you, just, if you just allow yourself to be used by him, right? Amen. But these writers were pointing out that God wasn't making reference to who Gideon was at that point right. of time, right? But he was making reference to the fact that how he was going to use him to deliver the people of God from these Midianites. And, and this is, uh, can you think of anyone else uh, God, uh, God uh, addressed and people may not have agreed with it? Moses. Moses, exactly. Moses. And, and how about, uh, uh, how about Job in that first chapter and that, in that first verse? Y'all remember Job, what God said about Job in that first chapter and first verse, he said this, there was a man in the land of us whose name was uh, Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And he goes on and God says, have you seen my, my servant Job down there, right? Said he was blameless and everything else. Do you think, do you think Job's friends thought he was blameless and innocent? <laughs> not based on their questioning not based, Amen. Not based on their questions right they were grilling him right yeah they they were miserable men miserable comforters they were miserable comforters right that's right so then it goes on to say this this mighty man of valor by the way this title was not only used for gideon but it was used for others uh in the old testament as well and this mighty man of valor meant what Anybody got that interpretation, what that valor meant? Well, very quickly, it meant that he was a warrior. He was, uh, he was a, 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 a conqueror, if you will. But uh, God wasn't going to necessarily use him uh, as a conqueror, more so than he was going to use him in this plan of deliverance to his people. Amen. And then he says, and in the 13th verse, and Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us, of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. What, what what's this exchange all about this mighty man of valor how did he come on god god was speaking us god was speaking to him but he was more concerned about his people that's why he kept using us mm. <laughs> yeah right. he, he had uh felt gideon had felt that uh god had uh, rejected the nation when yeah. all the time was uh, vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's not like God has done something. Yeah, God did do something because of what he had commanded them commanded them not to do. Yeah. And, but they did. So God said he can't look upon sin. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so man, man. He twisted. Yeah, they did get it twisted. <laughs> And he got it twisted, right? And and any other comments before I go on? 
like Ellen Mack has said, it wasn't that God had uh, turned away from forsaken them, but just the opposite. They had forsaken God, and that never entered into Gideon's mind. All he could think of what God had previously done, but now they can't hear anything from God. God has forsaken them. Mm -hmm. It was just the opposite. Yeah, but it was just the opposite, right? Yeah, and I want to I want to go back on the uh, point that uh, I believe Sister Cora had pointed out in verse twelve. It says, "The Lord is with thee," but then all of a sudden in verse uh, thirteen, Gideon just kept using what? Us. Us, right? God was talking to him, and then he shifts it to us, right? God was using him for a specific uh, cause or specific calling. Now, do you all remember what, I believe it was in the uh, introduction that uh, spoke of how God calls people. God calls people not, not only to salvation, but to what? Service. Ministry. Service. Specific ministries, right? God's got a call, God's got a calling for salvation, but God also has a specific calling for you too. He's got a specific calling of ministry for you as well. He's got an assignment for you to do. And then all of a sudden when he comes to you and then you start using us, uh, there's a problem, right? Because he told you to do what he told you to do, what he assigned for you to do. And then sometimes we're like Gideon where we began to deflect and start talking about us. And he not only talked about uh, us, but he talked about how God abandoned them, had forgotten them, had forsaken them. But in Gideon's uh, uh, rehearsal of this history, what does it show? If, if Gideon could recall these events what does it show shows that he knew his history like they knew you know he knew what the word of god said even yeah. though the israelites didn't quite always follow through <laughs> that's right that's right he knew who he was talking to he knew he knew about god right he knew about god even though his father may have been uh you know uh um part of that uh bell worship Somehow along the way, uh, Gideon knew his knew the history of the nation, and he knew what God could do and what God has done. But he was like that old popular song, what in the '80s, "What Have You Done for Me Lately?" Right? <laughs> and that's exactly what he was saying. What have you done for us lately? Yeah, you've done this miracle of uh, delivering us from the Red Sea and and Egypt and everything else, but what have you done for us lately, right? Yeah, every time, Pastor, every time a, um, uh, a judge come on the scene, and he can probably like uh, uh, Ehud, mm -hmm. uh, reign for 80 years. Yeah. And it, he apparently forgot the cycle of falling away too, you know, though he can remember Egypt. Mm -hmm. He forgot about the Jordan crossing as well. You know, yeah. it's, it's, some, it's a lot of them. Cause they, uh, he said, Joshua said, make this a memorial unto you guys. And 
they and especially the uh, Red Sea crossing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He, he was vague a little bit in his in his in his history understanding, but uh, uh, and if he was to look at what was uh, presently the situation and how these things, it's like he said that like three hundred and twenty five years they were in this kind of situation uh, back and forth. But uh, uh, I don't, uh, nonetheless, uh, he should have remembered what just recent, not, not that long ago, that uh, caused him to get right back in this situation and where they were. He must have completely forgot about that. <laughs> right, right. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's a good point. And and what's what's interesting too, uh, if I could just build on Elder Max's point and kind of like go a, a little differently with it is that um when you mention ehud and if you also mention other judges it's interesting because uh, their introduction was different from uh gideon's their introduction when they came on the scene it says something like and god uh raised up a deliverer ehud you know God raised up a deliverer or whoever else the judge was. But uh, Gideon didn't get this introduction. He didn't get this introduction. It started right with a narrative. And it just showed not uh, how God, uh, that God raised up, but it shows exactly how God was preparing him and raising him up for the occasion. So it gives us a good uh, glimpse of, of the process, if you will, a bit of the process that um, Gideon went through to, to be this deliverer that God, uh, or to be this instrument that God used to deliver his people. And it should be also a, uh, an encouragement to us as well. We don't, we don't just uh, you know, come out the womb like just boom, fully armored, ready to go. Right, but we stumble along the way, and we have to grow in our faith, just like Gideon. And we are prepared as well for the uh, God prepares us as well for the ministry that He um, has assigned for us to do. Amen. Hey, Pastor, I have a question. Uh huh. <clears throat> um, verse thirteen: the way Gideon is speaking. Uh-huh. Uh, to uh, what uh, the angel he says uh, Gideon says unto him sounds like he started going into the third person uh, uh-huh. as if he's not talking to the Lord if the Lord be with us uh, and he says um, uh, and where are all his miracles as opposed to saying where are all of your miracles yeah did yeah, that's good. Us up from Jesus, as opposed to didn't you bring us up from Jesus? So does does Gideon? But at that time, he did not realize that he was speaking to God. Wait, a minute. Uh, finish, finish what I you said. Were... But at that time, he didn't realize he was talking to God. Uh huh. Okay. Right. Right, and that is. Did you finish what you were saying? Yeah, that was the question. Now, did, yeah. did he know he was speaking to the Lord at that time? Right, and 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 uh, just as uh, Sister Ratcliffe stated, uh, most say that he did not know at this time that he was speaking to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet, like I stated earlier, some use this uh, discourse to support the fact that maybe an angel the angel 
was just a messenger uh, at the beginning, and then the Lord came in later on in the conversation. See, it was used yeah, kind of, uh-huh. gotcha. it was kind of both ways. But most writers state that uh, no, Gideon at this time may not have been fully aware uh, as to who he was talking to. But he he knew that he was talking to an agent of the Lord, and that uh, and and that this was a, uh, a a situation that wasn't normal, and that he felt that he was on express his feeling as to why he was concerned by with his people and why the Lord he believed had failed them. Yeah. Well, now some also argue that uh, when he saw the angel uh, sitting under the underneath the tree, that he probably thought he was just a, a dignitary. It wasn't this this um, appearance wasn't one that struck fear at the beginning. You know, right. like how Mary and others may have seen the angel, and then all of a sudden the angel said, "Fear not." Because uh, because of his appearance, but this is saying that uh, the angel's appearance was uh, was may have been quite normal, where he was just sitting there, and and Gideon could have thought uh, initially that this angel was no more than a, a dignitary that was traveling along. But Pastor, as well in verse there in verse 13, that last part, he says there, the Lord is with thee, O thou mighty man of valor. Oh, right. Uh, uh, yeah. but, uh, Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, right? Mm-hmm. If the Lord be with us, right? So he, God introduces himself in a sense there, though it says an angel of the Lord came, but uh, now there in that verse 13, that last part said, the Lord is with thee as he continued the conversation with Gideon. Oh, my right. so now Gideon is getting into uh, 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 the restrictions of what he feels that he could do. And where is the Lord now? You know, he's finding excuses and everything, you know. So, uh, mm-hmm. 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 Where he, right, mm-hmm. that was my point. Yeah, yeah, because he began to express himself, yeah. And I, and I see what you I see what you all are saying, but if you once again mm-hmm. go back to uh, the first Lord, is it the same as the second Lord? No, no. because the Lord in that time was also, as you had mentioned, he could have thought he was a dignitary, and that was a reverent way of respect that right. Lord. But the second Lord, when he said, "If the Lord." which right. is in all capital letters. So it's, it's, it's handled differently. Right. right. That's right. why I say it was the agent, you know, he, he's, he's speaking to. Right. Okay. All right, good. Yeah, good discussion. Good discussion. All right. Um, then it says here, 14, it says, I'm sorry, uh, are we good with verse 13 or y'all want to spar some more? <laughs> <laughs> All right, verse 14, and it says, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go, and this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? What, did, what is this was about? What was it about? 
the Lord was showing some patience here, wasn't he? Right. What did he? How did he follow up uh, Gideon's uh, rambling? He trying to give him some courage and understanding that you know he have chosen him. You know that's why he said, you know, mighty valor. You know, he mm -hmm. he he telling him what his end gonna be. You know, different from his beginning, and that's shows to show you the power of the Lord. And the only thing that's trying to get Gillian to believe what God believed about him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's good. He, That's good. He, he seemed to have responded, it ain't none of your business where I've been. You go do what I told you to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't respond to any of his questions. Yeah, he kind of shrugged it off, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Yeah, he got he got shrugged it off, and 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 it's interesting because one perspective is that uh, God wasn't uh, concentrating on the negative, right? He didn't he didn't want to dwell on the negative. Mm -hmm. he wanted, That's right. He wanted to dwell on the fact that he knew he he knew the end, and he knew what was going to happen, and 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 he knew so much so that he ended up saying what in this verse to Gideon. <laughs> that go in this thy might, right? Amen. Go in this thy might. So it was, it was a, it was a done deal. If God sends you, He also what? Equips you. Equips you. He also equips you, right? If God sends you, He equips you, and He is saying to Gideon, uh, "Hey." Uh, not only am I going to send you, but you, you already got what you need to get the job done, right? So he said, go this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? It's a done deal. <laughs> it's a done deal, right? If he, if he sends you, if he calls you and he sends you, he also equips you, right? Amen. All right. Any other comments of, of that verse? Now, uh, he does not do this for New Testament saints, right? Well, why not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Boy, <you> why not? <laughs> exactly. The gifts and callings are irrevocable. <laughs> there you go. There you Man. go. There you go. If he, if I say all things are possible, that's it. That's and it. so, if he's not saying all things are possible, that you have to do it, but that all things are possible with him, he can do it. All you got to do is what he tells you to do, and he that's makes it possible. That's it. That's it. That is it. So, as, as this lesson develops, we see that you know, uh, we see that. God looks at you, he might look at you differently than you look at yourself. Mm -hmm. He may look at you differently than other people uh, look at you as well, because he can see what you are in his hands, if you own and obey, right? And then he also understands what he can equip you with to give you uh, the, the things that you need in order to do the job that he called you to do. So uh, God prepares you well uh, for the task that he assigns for you. Amen. Amen. Like that, what's that scripture about 
His thoughts is not like our thoughts. His way is not like our way. Amen. Right. That's right. All right. It goes on in verse 15. And he said unto him, O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Woe is me. What's he saying? And I'm pitiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so pitiful. <laughs> he said, I am. He said, I am pitiful. Who else? Who else said I am pitiful? Moses. Moses. Right. Jeremiah said, I'm but a child. I'm but a child. Right. Right. That mosaic, he couldn't talk. <laughs> right. Moses said, I can't talk. I got a. Some people say I can. I got a speech impediment, right? <laughs> so, so I, I do have a question with that, and I understand the context in terms of, uh, of, of this. But uh, you know, to a certain degree, aren't we all like that? We may not verbalize it, but sometimes our actions might reflect, you know, mm -hmm. our feelings of inadequacy and uncertainty. I mean, ultimately, it's not true because. If God has called you to do something, He has also equipped you to do it, even if it not even if we even if you may not understand how that equipping has occurred or how it will occur. But it's kind of like doubting Thomas, right? People speak to Thomas, you know, call him doubting Thomas, but you know, James and John were running to the tomb because they didn't believe the report of the women either. So, you know, is it isn't it to a certain extent a human condition? Um but also part, I mean, I guess I'm thinking from this perspective, uh, that certainly is not false humility, but would, would the opposite effect be, yeah, I got, you know, yeah, I got this, yeah, I'm good to go. Wouldn't that lead to pride? Is, is right. it an either or? And I, you know, I understand that the emphasis is on, you know, just for justifying why Gideon was ill-equipped to do things, but but I mean, I, I experienced that a lot of times in terms of you know any, anybody but me, like you know, hold your nose and you know, not me, God. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, be, before I before I jump into that, I'll, I'll let somebody else uh, comment. That's good. What I read, I, I think, and from Wearsby regarding this particular. A verse is that mm -hmm. first he said it's how it, it, it's it's kind of ironic that he would say that his family is poor when later when he went to tear down the altars of Baal he took ten servants with him yeah. so they had servants but he also indicated that and he said I am that that is possible because they were of the lesser tribe of the less important tribe of the half of Manassas and him mm -hmm. saying that he was the of uh, the what is it of the father's house i am the least in my father's house he pointed yeah. out that a possibility for that could be that all of his family was baal worshipers and he was really not a man of faith so he didn't worship but and for that reason he may have seen himself as the black sheep of the family which is why he was referring to himself and this was this was from Wearsby that he may have seen himself as the black sheep of the family, which is why he was saying that he is the least of the family, or he may have been just the youngest child. Mm. Okay, okay. 
Anyone else? Let me, let me start off by reading uh, like uh, Romans 12 and 3. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you are, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of us. Some of us overshoot, right? And some of us think we can, you know, uh, if God came on us to deliver, um, he doesn't prepare us anymore. We got this, right? We got it. Uh, and then some of us will be like Gideon, because if Gideon did, if his humility was uh, uh, true here, and if it was genuine here, some of us will uh, be like Gideon and just say, well, you know, I'm not equipped to do this. I'm, I don't have this, that, and the other to do this. And uh, the point is, though, in that in that 12th chapter of Romans, third verse, it says, don't, don't, uh, when you're thinking soberly of yourself, that means that you got to give an honest evaluation of the skills that you have. Some people overshoot it in their arrogance and think they can do everything. But some also uh, become a, a offensive <laughs> to God as if God didn't give them anything to work with. And, and then they shoot so low as if they can't accomplish, God can't accomplish anything with them. But the truth is, is that God had told him in the 14th verse that I'm going to equip you. I am going to give you what you need to get the job done, right? He said, and, and, and then another verse we can read too, because they also um, read this one or quoted this one in our scripture lesson text. Is kind of lengthy, but nevertheless, it applies. And this one is in 1 Corinthians, first chapter, starting with verse 26. It says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that were not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sect and sanctification and redemption so god is not going to share his glory with any. amen amen that's good any any other comments of the, on this verse well, well pastor you you hit that on and i know uh as we go on we will see where uh, uh, the Lord will um, guide him as to his army, you know, to and to reduce, you know, the men's and 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 that you know just just what you said let, to assure him that it's not under his power but the Lord's power. Right. Amen. Amen. And and, and I can just quickly answer uh, Darren's. Uh, question too, you know, just 
very quickly. I, I, I contend or I submit that uh, uh, most Christians are real good at doing uh, spiritual moonwalking. They will slide, they will try to slide out of assignments God gives them real quick and try to moonwalk right out of it. But uh, the Lord will challenge them and convict them to say, do what I tell you to do, right? He will, he will tell them, just like he's telling Gideon, I have told you uh, that I'm with you, that I have equipped you, so go ahead and do what you need to do. I often think of even how I was called into the ministry. I was, um, I was fighting it. I was fighting it. I was doing some serious moonwalking. But, but I couldn't run, <laughs> right? And then I had heard that before. <laughs> goes on to say in the, in the 16th verse, And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. What, what, what's the main point of this verse? What's the main point? that God was with him and that the Midianite army would be just like fighting one man with God behind him. Amen. His, his, his victory was going to be so sure that it was going to, it was going to seem as if uh, fought one like man. One man, right? Right. Amen. And I'm, I'm going to move on, press on because of time. And it says this uh, in 17. And I'll read a couple of verses. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. But let's let's take these two because there's some there's some uh, interesting stuff in these two verses. These these two verses. What is he saying here? Let, let me uh, let me kind of like throw something out there. Well, what should Christians' um, attitude and and stance about signs be? What do you think? I think we should be leery about asking for signs because um, it seems like it seems like it shows a lack of faith. Like you, either you don't quite believe what God told you, or um, you're trying to get out of it. Like is a way of just kind of like saying, "No, nah, I can't be," you know, what God said. So mm -hmm. uh, the same thing for Gideon, and mm -hmm. this, this is not the only sign he asked for. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing, Brother Pastor, um, you know, um, I, I would think that uh, with a, if it's not in the Word of God, you know, for our signs and stuff like this, where God would lead us like this, and especially here now in this this time, the, the, the Holy Spirit's dispensation, He said, "Test the spirits, see if they are of God." You mm -hmm. can, you can, you can really get an. Uh, you can see it then in prayer. We have these 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 uh, resources that we can use, and when it comes to these particulars, now if it's a sign from God and, and 
and you know beyond a shadow, and God is really letting you know, you know, we have uh, uh, unction, we have convictions of the spirit. And if it's not there, you know, man, uh, ain't no sense in you uh, using your own opinion, which is like a belly button everybody has. <laughs> all right, all right. You know, it's uh, Pastor, one of the, the things that I uh, saw uh, in, in this verse uh, and came to mind in terms of signs uh, was, was what uh, Matthew uh, uh, wrote in, in Matthew twelve thirty nine. Jesus said, uh, but he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah, the prophet. Uh, and again, he picked that up again in, in Matthew 16 and 4 with that same rebut, because those people, as in, in, in uh, Gideon's day, and with Gideon personally, were looking for signs uh, for God to prove himself. Even though in the past, if Gideon was such a good historian and knew what God had done in the past, uh, looking at what he had done, he still needed to, to have some proof uh, and early on with his discourse, his conversation uh, with the angel uh, uh, of, of the Lord, he, he, he had a, like a, a subtle accusation that he was bringing against God because he, he thought that God was behaving in a way that was uncharacteristic of God. Uh, and, and what he failed to do was to know the nature of God. And that is that, that God changes not. He's immutable. He does not change. The, uh, he knew enough uh, to know that something had changed with the relationship between them and God. Uh, but what he failed to see was that God hadn't changed, but they had changed. They hadn't done what they were supposed to do. And he had failed to uh, to look at all of history, selective memory when it came to their history. He remembered the good times, but he didn't learn from the bad times, all those other judges that had come before him and, and the cycle that they had gone through and what it took to get back into right uh, um, uh, favor with God. So uh, just, just briefly again, with, with this idea um, that, uh, that he had uh, in terms of uh, his own ability, he was looking at what can I do in my power? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not one who, who is mighty or one who could be referred to uh, as one who is uh, uh, just boiling over with valor or anything like that. But again, God was not interested in what he could do in the flesh, but more what he could do in the spirit. Uh, and all he wanted was faithful obedience from him. Just do what I said to do and don't be thinking about the plan and how you're going to execute it. I'll tell you how to do it. And when it's done, you're going to say, I couldn't have came up with nothing like that. Only God could come up with an idea like that, much less bring it to pass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. That's good. And let me let me build on that point a bit more. Uh, uh, this this sign uh, thing. I know quite a few people in their walk with with the Lord. They they asking him, "Can you just show me, show me the way, show me the sign?" Um, and it's interesting. And like I said, building off of the elders' point, one is, is throughout Jesus's ministry. Uh, when he shows signs, those signs were for those who did not believe, right? Those signs, signs were for those who didn't believe. Their, their faith wasn't exactly where it was supposed to be, right? So we do need to be careful in terms of, uh, of getting into this sign business. Now, there are two, 
two motives in asking for a sign. One is, is you're trying to uh, ask God to prove who he is, right? That one, we definitely don't want to deal with. But if we're asking for just some direction, if we're asking for uh, some leadings, you know, Lord, uh, I want to go this direction. Lord, can you just show me, you know, if this is that right direction? Well, the first thing God will use first and foremost is his what? Word. His, his word. word. Going to use his word, right? His so word. Familiarize yourself with uh, his word. And then it, when you line yourself up with his word, uh, then you are in, in, in communication with him and you're in this, uh, this uh, sphere of obedience as well to his word. And then it'll be, uh, it, it'll be uh, easier for you to understand exactly what path you should go if it's in terms of direction. If it's in terms of direction, a good book that I will uh, uh, definitely tell you all to get in terms, because this talks about God's will, uh, is John MacArthur, and the title of it is Found God's Will. And he'll tell you, uh, you know, it's a good uh, spin as to just how to be in God's will and how to know God's will as well. So this sign business, asking God to prove who he is, that's one thing. But asking him for direction, that's another. Yeah. Amen. All depends on what you're asking him for. Amen. Yeah. And I and I think it's even is it's not I don't think it's a bad thing to to request that direction either these days because there are so many voices that are speaking to us um, and from so many different directions with the with the social media and the academics and the uh, philosophers and intellectuals and the um, the the radicals and so there's yeah. so many things that are speaking to us that you know the voices we hear can get God's word uh, voice can be clouded and so as long as we're in the word and we're fellowshipping with other believers who are in the word yeah I think that would be helpful Amen. Amen. Also, I'd like to say we, like in Romans, no, you know, we, the Spirit of God have to be uh, dwell in us. You know, that's what separate us. When when we have that relationship, that intimate relationship with Him, then mm -hmm. we would know His will. We don't need signs, you know, because we, it's it's more intimate relationship. We read, we know, you know, we pray, we meditate. So God gonna gonna constantly speaks to us. And that's mm -hmm. the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Man, then I'm gonna I'm gonna read the rest of the verses, and we'll just take some quick comments, and uh, and and we'll wrap it up. Verse 19 says, "And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour. Uh, the flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth." in a pot and brought it out into unto him under the oak and presented it and the angel of god said unto him take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth and he did so then the angel of the lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, 
and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Then Gideon, uh, I can't see it because uh, something's in the way. I'm going to read it from the expositor. And when the angel, uh, and when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon uh, built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day, it is yet in, in Oprah of the Beisrites. Mm -hmm. Any comments on those uh, verses? Sound like he had him some chicken and dumplings. <laughs> he made yeah, a funny <laughs> meal there. It made me, made me <laughs> But it does clear up the question that was asked about verse 13. Did he realize he was talking to God? Yeah. Now he does realize that yeah. he was in the presence of God. Yeah. And he realized it so much so that he thought he was going to die, right? Right. And that's because of God's telling Moses that you can't see my face and live. That's and that's right. what the Jews, the Jews had that belief. So, yeah, he thought, I'm doomed. That's right. That's right. That's right. And um, in, in, in this lesson, you know, I'll go ahead and hand it back over to uh, the superintendent. But I'll say this in closing. Uh, in this lesson, we see the process of how God is just uh, just preparing this uh, man, Gideon, preparing him for a task. He wasn't quite there in his faith, but yet when it was all said and done, uh, God knew that little become much in his hands and Gideon um, became uh, one that was in the uh, hall of faith in, uh, in Hebrews. In addition to that, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's just so many things that can apply to us as well in our walk today that once again, we need to be sober about our potential and we need to understand that in God's hands that we can be much more than we can think of. And, uh, and in addition to that, we can be more powerful than we can, than we can imagine. And further, uh, if we are lacking faith, uh, God can even take care of that area for us. But here's the thing, though, that I'll leave you all with. I read a comment, but I will um, make that comment a question. And here's that question. When is a Christian uh, at their strongest? When is, when is a Christian, uh, he or she, when are they at their strongest? When we realize how helpless we are without God, that we can do nothing without him. At our weakest point. Yeah. And, and the comment says when when we're on our knees. Okay. <laughs> when we're on our knees. And that's where we, that's where we win our battles on our knees. When we're on our knees. Amen. All right, I'm giving it back over to Sister Reckler. 
one thing we found in this lesson that God can use and will use anyone as long as we are obedient and trust him to do what he said he's going to do. Is that right? Amen. Amen. Okay. So this, this was another great lesson, Ambassador. Um, we, we thank you. So before we close out, I, I think that uh, Elder McElwee, are you still on the line and would like to extend an invitation? Hello. Hello. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm here. Uh, uh, yes, uh, for those that are our listening audience, Amen. Uh, it's, it's still you can see the the handiwork of God. Someone, one of the elders, mentioned that God is immutable. He doesn't change. God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Salvation is offered. He wanted to deliver the, the the Jews from the hands of their enemy, and in our enemy today, as as men and women in this world is is sin, and God sent the the, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, and those who put their trust in this Redeemer shall have life eternal. John three sixteen said, "God so loved the world." That means all unsaved that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. Go to hell, but shall have ever, everlasting life. We want to know, in regards to our Sunday school, invitation, if you was one of our listeners, you heard the lesson. You see how God was going to use a mighty man of valor. And we are men and women, women of virtue, men of valor. We can get the job done as warriors, as conquerors. We can do it. But the only way that that can happen is that we have to come into a relationship with God. And if you don't have that relationship, and you need to know how to establish a relationship with God. First, first and foremost, you have to accept Jesus Christ, his darling son that he sent. Accept him as your Lord, the controller of your life and Savior that delivered you from sin. Savior, thou shalt be saved. If you confess that with your mouth and believe it in your heart, thou shalt be be saving at another given time. If you want to really uh, understand that, you can get with one of the, the leaders or elders in the church where that can be explained more thoroughly, where you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. On that note, Sister Rackley, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Well, just pray us out, if you will. And righteous can I, Father. Can I make a quick comment, please? I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't make a, a quick comment here. Uh, Tuesday night, um, we've uh, prepared material. We continue to uh, make preparation for that to be the time that we're going to address a lot of the things that you're uh, confronted with on social media and as well as the news on television uh, in regards to all this, um, you know, social uprising and protesting and. Uh, social injustice as well. We're going to uh, uh, pause, take a moment to, to address this collectively. Uh, um, I just ask that you all um, just pay attention to your, um, your remind because you'll be getting material uh, through that uh, in preparation for Tuesday and, um, and further instructions as well because it's gonna be a little different. It's gonna have a little twist to it. So just uh, 
Yeah, just be aware of uh, of your texts, please. 